Hello and welcome to the Whittard Report podcast, where we empower business advisors to transform businesses. This podcast is your source for information and news you need for your accounting, bookkeeping, or tax practice. Don't forget to check out scalingnewheights.com for information about our conference in June. And if you subscribe to this podcast, we will have a special registration offer just for you coming up soon. And now your hosts, Joe Woodard and Heather Satterley. Well, thank you, Greg. And I'm excited about today's episode because we have with us today, Amelia Earhart, the namesake of her hero. She's going to tell you a lot more about that. She's also going to be a keynote speaker at the upcoming Scaling New Heights conference. Now, just a little bit about her before I bring her on to the episode. Um, She's a boundary pushing around the world pilot. So, I mean, she's really living up to the Amelia Earhart that she treats as a heroine. Um, so Amelia Earhart knows exactly what it takes to venture into uncharted territory, uh, you know, in a very literal sense, but she's also done that in a business sense. She's raised millions of dollars in partnership with 28 corporations as she's crafted an entrepreneurial and strategic business to design, fund, market her around the world attempt. And she founded the Fly with Amelia Foundation, which sent numerous teenage girls to flight school and more. All right. So we're excited, Amelia, to hear what you have to say today. Welcome to the podcast. Well, Blue Skies, Joe, thank you so much for having me on the show. And thank you for the warm welcome. I love that. I've never had you greet me before. So is that a normal thing? Do you normally just say Blue Skies instead of hello? Blue Skies is really my tagline. And it came from piloting because a pilot always hopes for blue skies. We prepare for turbulence, but best case scenario is blue skies and a nice tailwind. Well, I absolutely love that. If I were a pilot, I would so steal that. It's so positive. All right. So <laughs> it's it's abundantly clear from my intro, also from you know the way you're living up to, to your namesake and your heroine, um, your hero in life. It's abundantly clear you have a passion for flying. Okay. So what how did that originate? And here comes a, a really silly dad joke pun. What propels that in the present? All right. Well, hey, I love a good aviation metaphor. Trust me, Joe. So we're <laughs> on the same page there. So bring on the puns. You know, my parents had the same last name as the original Amelia Earhart, spelled the exact same way, E-A-R-H-A-R-T. And it was always this family story in my dad's side of the family that we were somehow distantly connected to Amelia Earhart. So when my mom came along and met my dad, she said, Glenn, we're having a little girl and we're naming her Amelia Earhart. And my dad said, no, 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 no. We cannot do that. If we name our kid Amelia Earhart, she's going to feel all this pressure. She's going to feel pressure to learn how to fly. She's going to feel pressure to fly around the world. My dad was absolutely right. I felt all that pressure, but I grew up with this name because my mom went out and my mom's intention and my dad's eventually as well was to just give me a really positive female role model. Nobody else in my family was a pilot. No one else was into aviation. And so it took me a while to grow into it and come to terms with a big famous name like this. And that's the story that I get to share on stage and with you know, my keynote audiences from all over the world. It's really what it's like to grow into a name like Amelia Earhart and turn it all the way into a flight around the world, that 28,000 nautical mile journey that I completed in 2014 in a single engine airplane. And I know I'm skipping a lot of the steps there, but basically 
I knew that having this name, it did propel me to do big things because every single person that I have met throughout my whole life, when they find out my name is Amelia Earhart, they've looked me right in the eye and went, wow, you better be a pilot someday. And uh, how could I not? It turned out to be such a great adventure and I wouldn't have it any other way now. Yeah, that is fantastic. And you've not lost it. I mean, it wasn't like this thing when you were a child that, you know, child children want to be police, you know, police uh, officers or they want to be firefighters, you know, whatever it is that kids dream of being, um, you know, lawyers and doctors. But your dream didn't, wasn't just from a childhood. I mean, it's it's it's, you know, still a thriving passion for you. And that passion's causing you to come out with a book here very soon. The book's called Learn to Love the Turbulence. I just love the title already. So tell us a little bit about the book and, you know, if our listeners go get that book when it comes out here very soon, how would they benefit? Well, thank you for asking. Yes, the book has been in the works since 2014 when I completed my around the world journey. And what I found was that by taking flight and taking flight lessons, getting in the cockpit, I suddenly got this pilot's perspective, right? I got to see things from above, that elevated view. You know, when you're sitting in the window seat of a commercial flight and I don't know about you, but I find myself lost in thought up there. You know, you sort of let the small things fall away and you can see the big picture, putting things in perspective. And so this book is not only the story of what it took to plan and complete my flight around the world, but more importantly, it's really about the reader and giving these flight lessons, as they call them, ways that we can navigate through life's storms and life's turbulence by taking that pilot's perspective. So for instance, some of the chapters include, you know, upgrading yourself to pilot in command, what it takes to each and every day show up with that pilot in command mindset. Now, in the workspace, we may not always be pilot in command of the whole operation dictating where we go or how we get there, but I believe that we have the opportunity to show up with that attitude, a lot of personal responsibility. We understand that in front of us, we've got a cockpit full, filled with information, right? That's our home computer. Maybe it's a work from home environment. We can reach out, get more information about the environments and the situations that we're choosing to take flight into. And I think ultimately what the reader will take away from this is that turbulence, while yes, it can be dangerous, most often, most often, turbulence up in the sky is just going to remind you that you're in flight. It's not going to be the cause for a crash. It's not going to be the cause to turn the airplane around and go back from the airport from which you departed, right? A turbulent situation is to me equivalent to the challenges that we face when we take flight towards any of our biggest goals. And I think if I could send the, the, the readers and the listeners away with just one line to really get the feeling for this book is that the only airplane that never experiences turbulence is the one that stays locked up in a hangar, right? And the same is true for all of us. The only people who never experience any challenges are the ones that don't go after their big goals. So if you're working towards new ideas, new concepts, you're going to feel the bumps. And those bumps are a signal that you're moving towards your destination. And you can handle those bumps. Just like the big commercial airliners can handle so much turbulence through the roughest storms, we can handle a whole lot more than we think we can when we're just sitting on the ground planning, right? We can stay agile. We can adapt to our environments. We can really collaborate with our flight crews, as I call them, the people in our lives who are there for us, who can maybe even take the controls for us if we're going through a tough situation. So it's these types of 
pilot perspectives, these aviation metaphors that are tried and true in business. I think we can all relate to these things, even if you're not a pilot of a, of a small aircraft. If you even understand how airplanes work, you'll get every single concept that's within the book. I, I, I love that. I'm so glad you brought in the co-pilot thing too, because that's what we do over here at Woodard. We have a membership program. We align people with a coach in the idea and with their peers, right? So it's like fellow pilots and master pilots are all there with you. So when the turbulence hits, you're not alone or even in the blue skies, you know, the co-pilot still comes in really handy. You know, another thing that came to my mind, and I don't know if you're planning to put this in, in the book or not, but um, I've always heard, I'm not a pilot, I've not been to pilot school, but I've always heard that you trust the instruments, I think is the phrase. You, you, and so, so like if you don't have blue skies and you can't see it all and you're going through the dark cloud and the visibility is zero, the only thing you have is to trust your instruments uh, and what they're telling you, altitude and, and everything else. You could probably list them all, I can't. But, the, but there's a truth to that in the business world too, that, that you can't see clearly most of the time, that very rarely are you able to see through the windshield where your business needs to go or the condition that your business is in. And, and our listeners are in the business of creating the measurements for the instruments, you know, financial position, financial performance, cash flow, uh, predictive analytics on, on credit patterns and, you know, spend, uh, spend controls and spend predictions. So um, that, that would be a very appropriate metaphor for this audience. Well, Joe, you're so right. And I actually do have an entire chapter on trusting your instruments. And there's a beautiful concept that was really um, first conceived by the U.S. Air Force Academy. And it's this concept of vision beyond sight. And ooh, that's what ooh. they really- is, is that their phrase? Did, yes, that copyrighted? was- Copyrighted, can I steal it? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> it's a, a, a big vision part. beyond, say it again, vision beyond. Vision beyond sight. And what that means to a pilot, and I'll explain how we can really think about that here on the ground as well, but what it means to a pilot is that when we are able to trust our instruments, so our airspeed indicator, our altimeter, our radar, even asking for that outside perspective from air traffic control, when we're flying through a dark, turbulent storm and all we can see in front of us are clouds, very limited visibility. And I've flown in situations like that so many times throughout my life. The only way that I know up from down is my instruments. And so when I learn to trust those instruments, knowing that when I can cross-reference them, because there's so much redundancy built into a cockpit system, when I can trust those instruments, I develop vision beyond sight. So what I see with my eyes right here in front of me, that's one thing. But that vision allows me to zoom out, to detach my perspective from myself in that really, you know, nervous, uh, turbulent cockpit, when I can detach my perspective and place myself on a radar screen, that is vision beyond sight. So when we apply that here on the ground, we have to determine what our personal instruments are. What can we trust and cross-reference in our own individual worlds? For instance, the examples you gave, Joe, they were so perfect outside influences, those trusted resources where we can reach out and say, look, I'm in a dark place right now. I can't see where I need to head next. I can't see my destination. What's your perspective? What feedback and advice can you give me from the outside? That is a real solid form of vision beyond sight. And that allows us to move through the storms and eventually get back to those clear blue skies, which is what we're all hoping for. 
Yeah, absolutely. Hey, you know, in the theme of this year's show, and it's the reason that I selected you as our featured keynote presenter is SOAR, right? And it was either going to be you or it was going to be a uh, bird handler. So I... <laughs> I figured you had a lot more spare than was valuable. So the two big things that soar. So, um, so, so the you know, and I know that you're you know, there's the plane, the the jet engines and the propellers and things. So you're not always soaring, but there's some soaring element to it, and it fits. You're up there soaring through the skies, and uh, you're going to be uh, our featured keynote presenter very soon. You're going to take the stage, and um, I've already gotten a couple of things that uh, I think obviously you're going to share about the instruments and the turbulence. And, and I'm, I'm sure we're getting a teaser now for the bigger keynote to come. Uh, but one of the things that you said at the very beginning is about perspective. You know, if, if what I've been trying to encourage the attendees to do is to flap less, soar more. So there's a little bit of outcome disproportionate to effort by, you know, a, an eagle leverages thermals. Um, and and the attendees can leverage the environment around them, technology, for example, and delegation and the delegation of authority to others around them. Um, and they can use that to not have to work so hard to keep themselves aloft, right? And contrasting with the hummingbird, which is the exact opposite of the eagle. And a lot of times they feel like hummingbirds, especially recently here in tax season. So that's what I'm trying to get across. And when you said, hey, you, you get up there and your perspective of the world changes, that's something that I had not thought about bringing in, that it's not just about the effort to benefit ratio. It's about altitude and and, and, and altitude of perspective. So now that you know a little bit about the theme and uh, we've already shared so much about what your book, is there anything that you can tease out that you're going to share on the main stage you haven't talked about yet in this podcast? Oh, so much, Joe. I, first, first and foremost, I just want to say thank you for trusting me as your keynote speaker. I know that's a big decision, especially between me and a bird handler. Um, <laughs> so I'm very excited about that. But in a real serious sense, when I take the stage, to me, it is really about taking flight with the audience. I want the audience to join me in the cockpit. I'm going to teach you how to slide into that pilot in command seat and really think about how you are going to get from point A to point B. So to give you a couple of the concepts that we're going to learn about together, one of my favorites is a divergent creative thinking process that I like to call 360 degree thinking. And it's a compass analogy that breaks apart that idea that we should always be seeking a true north, right? We've heard that. Trust your gut, trust your intuition, go for true north. Well, there are 360 degrees on a compass. So in this concept and, and this analogy, we're going to break that down and I'm going to teach your audience how to look at all directions of the compass, not just north, south, east, and west, but we're going to get to those unusual headings. We're also going to talk about situational awareness up in the sky in the concept of thinking about an aircraft and the different forces of flight. So when an airplane is in flight, there's always four forces battling against one another. You've got thrust versus drag and gravity versus lift, right? And those four forces are always in opposition to one another. Well, the same is true for all of us here on the ground, isn't it? We've always got a headwind coming our way if we're working towards a challenge and we're feeling that resistance. But in other times, we've got a tailwind pushing us from behind. 
if you're like me, when you fly on a commercial flight, I've always got the flight tracker up on the back of the seat in front of me, right? I want to see that headwind or tailwind that we're working with because when we can, for instance, be a tailwind for one another and provide that assistance and lighten the load for someone along their journey, that is a way of obtaining free fuel. I'm going to share stories about what it took to add an extra 200 gallons of fuel on board the single engine airplane that I flew around the world, the Pilatus PC-12. That was a really good example of a real literal way to increase the range that I would be able to fly without having to land because I crossed the largest oceans in the world. 80% of that flight was over the open water. I tried to stay as close to Amelia Earhart's original flight plan as I could, right? So adding that fuel tank was a real necessity. That increased the amount of time that I could stay aloft. Think about this. If a storm popped up in my path and I plan a straight line to just go from point A to point B, if that storm pops up along that line, I'm going to have to increase my range because I am navigating through and around it. So when we prepare here on the ground to work towards our big goals, if we can identify not only how much fuel we can put in our tank, but what specifically fuels us to show up with all that energy to get us up in the air and aloft for the longest period of time possible, that buys us time to make changes, to make directional and heading changes around the challenges that come our way. Because think about it, Joe, when your tank is maybe a quarter of the way full, when you think about your personal energy, isn't it so much harder to get towards your destination that you want to reach? But when you show up with that full tank of gas and maybe just a little bit more, that extra enthusiasm can be the difference maker when it comes to making it all the way there. Yeah. So I love this idea of keeping the tank full. And I love the idea of an extra tank because we talk a lot over here at Watered about adaptive capacity, you know, and, and that's basically a con the concept of this unforeseen storm is I had extra fuel. I have adaptive capacity um, or adaptive attention or adaptive energy. I mean, just I have a little bit in reserve and we're so quick to just run ourselves all the way down to depletion. Um, when we're flying right over an ocean, right? And, that, <laughs> and how many of us in life, metaphorically speaking, have had to take a swim on efforts like that? So this is, that's, that's a very powerful lesson. I can't wait. If that's just the teaser of things to come, I cannot wait for the, the full message that you're going to bring from our, our main stage. Well, thank you. And then, Joe, I have to say, you know, going around the world through 14 countries over the course of just 18 days, I've got so many stories to share. And so knowing specifically and having this conversation with you beforehand, this is going to make the speech so much better because I can really understand the perspective that you're coming from, really emphasizing concepts around teamwork and flight crew and the fuel resources and thinking about that situational awareness, because I've found that really applying these pilots' perspectives to my own life, I mean, I'm trying them out each and every day. Yes, they work up there in the air, but they really do work here on the ground when you apply these same concepts. And they may come across like, oh, at first just metaphor, but there are just immediate mindset shifts that I can promise you will make a real big difference. And the feedback I've been getting recently from, from some of my speaking clients, like Apple Computers and Boeing and American Express and Exxon, I mean, these worldwide leaders in, in so many different industries, they're saying that this message is really valuable. So I'm really honored to be able to deliver it to all of you. Yeah, and it's a great audience. You're going to love them. They're heroic people. A lot of them own their businesses, started their businesses, and are pioneering and innovating and navigating through 
a disruption that is hitting the industry and they're turning a negative disruption into a positive disruption. So, you know, because technology is coming in and they know they have to adapt and they have to overcome that disruption or they're going to end up like the, the travel agents of, the, of, of this decade. But they're not letting that get them down. They're, they're at our conference uh, leveraging artificial intelligence and leveraging automation technology and moving beyond the bookkeeping and tax preparation that are getting heavily automated. So it's a brave group and you have to be brave to fly. So you'll have a lot in common with them. Well, All Joe, right. and if, if I may just add one quick thing, I don't want to spoil the story for the keynote speech, but during my talk, I do share a really vulnerable and heartfelt story of major life turbulence that I went through because one of the questions I get, of course, being named Amelia Earhart is, are you related to Amelia Earhart? Now, the quick answer is no. I'm going to share that story because most of my life, I believed that I was distantly related to Amelia Earhart, but I found out right before I was about to launch on my journey that I in fact shared no relation to Amelia. And I share the story of how I recovered from that turbulence because I had calls from people all over Twitter, you know, the friendliest place on earth <laughs> saying, cancel your flight. You don't deserve to do this. You're, you know, you're not related to Amelia. So we're going to discuss what it really takes to stay resilient when the outside world is giving you so many signals and reasons to quit. And so I'll tell folks how I kept that story to, or how I kept that flight together and, and how I really reframed my own personal view of myself and what my name meant. And that to me is the most heartfelt way that I can connect with the audience because we all will go through turbulence in some form in our lives, but it's really about how we choose to handle it as opposed to just you know, taking our hands off the controls and throwing our hands up in resignation. I want to teach the audience how to keep your hands on the controls and keep flying your aircraft no matter what happens. Well, and I'm going to tell you something that you don't know how, how much that will resonate with our audience, but our audience knows the truth of what I'm about to say. Um, in the world of accounting, there are different skill sets and there are different ways that people work within the profession. And the the, the bookkeeping level of this if you're a non-credentialed bookkeeper, um, the the environment around that prof that area of the profession um, and the way that the clients view that profession has caused a lot of people in there to believe that kind of like you had to overcome that psychological hurdle. They have to overcome a psychological hurdle that says, I can be a business coach. I can be a trusted advisor. I can interpret financials and not just compile them. Uh, because the word I'm a bookkeeper has an implied just in front of bookkeeper. I'm just a bookkeeper. Now, not every bookkeeper feels this way. And a lot of the people that come to our Scaling Nights conference are in that minority percentile that feel very strong about their coaching skills. But it's a, it's a systemic problem within that tier of the profession. And, um, and either they're struggling with it or they've overcome it. Um, and that, I think, will be, it'd be good for them to hear the whole of how you overcame your psychological barrier there. Uh, you hear a lot of people talk about imposter syndrome yes. in our industry. And it's not just them, even the CPAs, if you get them to where they're transparent, vulnerable enough to say, look, I've got the num the letters after my name, but I I'm, I'm nervous to go in and coach businesses and mentor business owners because they were only taught and their entire career has been mostly, mostly focused around doing taxes. So yeah, that, that should encourage a lot of people to get in their airplane and get and, and take off. All right. I yes, that. I think that's going to keep our standards high. It's how we show up and the information that we choose to 
equip ourselves with, that we show up prepared with, right? It's not about the title. It's how you show up energetically, that type of passion that you put into your work. And we're going to talk about that because when my whole world was turned upside down and I learned that new information, I did want to cancel my flight. But I wouldn't be here on this podcast or on your stage as a keynote speaker if I would have canceled my journey because of that imposter syndrome. I had to say to myself, you've got the skills, you've done the work, you have shown up as pilot in command. If you can handle this type of turbulence on the ground, you'll be able to handle it up there in the sky. So I think this will be a really empowering part of the speech that is going to equip folks to show up really as, as who they are as a whole person, not just a title or some sort of assumption from the outside. I like that. Show up as a whole person. Yeah. I absolutely love that. Okay. So now if you haven't already done enough in your life, you also have original artwork. So how does, does that connect to the passion of flying? And if so, how, um, and, uh, does it connect into the message that you teach and write about? And if so, how? Well, thank you for asking about my artwork. You know, um, painting was something that I had never even once attempted, prior to my flight around the world. I was never really an artistic person. I was always more of, um, you know, sort of that mechanical mind. I, I would love to uh, learn everything about the engine of the aircraft, right? The real specifics, the rules, the regulations. But something about seeing an entire planet, right? Circumnavigating the entire world really changed me. And I came home with all of these aerial photos, pictures that I had snapped around the equator, all these just exotic locations. And I would stare at these pictures and think to myself, I should print these out and frame them and put them on the wall or, or put them somewhere in a book or something. And then one day it hit me. I wanted to convert those photos into artwork. And there was a, a real popular form of artwork that was popping up on my social media feed. It was on Instagram and Pinterest, this fluid artwork where people would essentially dump paint on canvases and let it drag around and create all these really unique patterns. And I realized very quickly that I could, by experimenting with different types of acrylic paint, I could replicate shorelines and oceans and the way that sand gradiates through the different depths of the water. You know, when you're flying into a beautiful location, say if you're flying into Mexico and, and you're arriving when the, the light is just right and you see all the sparkly colors on the shorelines, I can recreate that now in my artwork. And so what I call it is aerial abstract artwork. It's not a literal representation. You wouldn't look at it and say, oh, there's the, there's the airport there on that painting, but you get the feeling of taking flight. And I do incorporate it into my talk because what it goes to show is that I think inspiration can come from the most unusual places, right? So many of us separate our professional careers from our passion. Now, in my previous life, I was also a TV news anchor, right? I was getting up at 2.30 in the morning, reporting on the news, flying around in the news helicopter. That eventually turned into aviation and learning to fly and flying around the world. And that turned into artwork. And so you never know where those passions and interests will strike unless you sit with them and you give real thought to what you've accomplished, the connections with people that you've made, the places you've been, the things you've seen, turning those into different forms and different ways of communicating them, I think can broaden our horizons. And now I've painted probably hundreds of these things now, different concepts. And trust me, plenty of them will never see the light of day. <laughs> but the thing is, if we keep experimenting with how we perceive our experiences, I think we can only get more and more rich as we continue to grow. That's fantastic. Well, 
I'm going to get to meet you face to face, as will the attendees of Scaling Heights very soon here this June in St. Louis. Um, if you're listening to this podcast before June 2023, make sure you join us so you can also meet Amelia in person. You're an inspiration. It has been a joy talking with you. Now, where can our listeners go to learn more about you? Oh, well, Joe, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking to you. I can feel your energy. I can't wait to connect with your audience. And just so everyone knows, I am a people person. So please come up, share your stories, connect with me while we're there. Let's make a personal connection and make it a point to stay inspired with one another. And to stay connected, you can find me on LinkedIn. Just search Amelia Rose Earhart. The first Amelia's middle name was Mary, so mine is Rose. That is our one difference. I'm also on Instagram if you want to check out artwork and more personal things there. And then my website is AmeliaRoseEarhart.com, and that's where I'll also be sharing links about where you can purchase the book coming up, hopefully June and July. So I'll look forward to sharing more of those details at the conference as well. That's fantastic. All right. And maybe you can have some copies with you if the book's out in time for the show. That would be really cool. I'm sure a lot of people would like a signed copy. All right. Well, I will then pick up the rest of this conversation in June. Thanks so much for being with us, Amelia. Well, blue skies, Joe. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for joining us. For more information, please visit woodard.com slash podcast.